So I'm not going to teach the entire Psalm 119. That might be a little much. But I have been meditating in this Psalm for some months. And I know the usual things about it. Like every eight verses begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's called an acrostic psalm. And so um, you'll see that divided up in your Bible with these Hebrew letters. And that's because in the original, every eight verses starts with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, because there's a certain form like that, you read it, and it, it doesn't come out like that in English. You think, what is this psalm about? Because he definitely is going on and on and on about the commandments of the Lord, the ordinances, the word of the Lord. But they're also reading... They don't seem related, and it, and it reminds me a lot of Proverbs, where every verse is its own topic, and you, you can't get a, a feeling like you're making any progress. It's kind of like, okay, where's the plot? Who are the characters? When I began meditating in Psalm 119, I thought, you know what? This will take me the rest of my life. I don't think I can do this. I better zip on through. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. I mean, I've, I've been going that slow through the rest of Psalms. I've been doing this for 10 years. Why do I have to speed up? Let's just cool our jets here and see if we just can't listen to what God is saying. And, and when I did that, I found a theme emerging. And it really gripped me. What this is about is that our lives are a journey through this life. That this is not the destination. This is not where we're going to live forever. We're only here for a time. We're passing through. And there's a way through this life that leads to eternal life. There are a lot of ways in this life that don't lead there. And what we want to do is make sure we're on the right road that leads to where we want to go. And that means this psalm is like a road map. Keeps you on the right road and it'll help you so you don't take the road that leads wherever, wherever you don't want to go. So this is what we're looking at this morning, that we are on a journey and in Psalm 119, you got a road map for that journey. Are you interested? I hope so. 
So, this psalm is about complete happiness. Let's read these verses in the beginning. He says, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. So you look at the opening here and the psalmist is talking about the bliss, the happiness, the joy of those whose way is perfect. And the word used here in, in the New King James is undefiled. In the original language, it means perfect, complete, without a blemish. It's the word used for acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. When you brought a sacrifice to worship God, it was supposed to be perfect. There weren't supposed to be any uh, hair loss, uh, a limb lame, blind in one eye, eczema, scraggly. The priest would look at that and say, can't offer that. You can only offer what is complete and perfect and no blemish at all. Only perfection is acceptable to God. Now, you think about your life this morning. Do you feel perfect? Are you aware of things in your life that you would not want everybody else in the room to know? See, most of the time we feel like, yeah, we're, I'm doing okay, I'm all right, I'm okay. But then we think about these things, we go, all right, I'm not there. In fact, these are the things that we cannot fix, because we've tried. So, you know, we, we are aware of these things and we realize, I wish I could be that way. Now, what the psalmist says is that perfection and completeness only come from going God's way. And this is one of the things that I noticed when I slowed down and, and thought about it. That is, this word way keeps coming up. And I counted them up, and it's used 13 times in this psalm. In the first part, it tends to peter out in the rest of it. In the beginning, the emphasis is on way, and also the word Path is used five times. And then you have the idea of walking and running 
There's also the idea of wandering. That is going somewhere, but it's kind of without a plan. So you have this idea then of going somewhere, of a trip, a journey. It implies distance, time, effort, planning, preparation, and perseverance to keep going. It means there's a purpose and there's a destination. And there's a lot of ways mentioned in Psalm 119. There's my way, there's other people's ways, there's God's way. And these are not all the same. Like in verse 26, we're jumping around now, okay? In verse 26, it says, I have declared my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Now, this is an exchange between the psalmist and God. That is, at one point, the psalmist talked to God about, this is my life, this is where I'm going, this is my purpose, these are the things I want to do. And this is what I think results in completeness and perfection. This is what's going to make me happy. What do you think? And it says, you answered me. God answered back. Now, don't you wish we knew what God said? But whatever God said, it changed the psalmist's mind. And he says, well, I want to go your way. I want to not go my way. I didn't have the right idea. I didn't have the right destination. My way is the wrong way. I want to go your way. So see, a lot of ways to go in life. And it's kind of like a labyrinth. You know there's a way through all the passages that eventually you get to the exit. But there's a lot of ways that just lead to a dead end. And that's the trap. What if you spend all your time trying to figure out a way to get through it and you never get out and you die right there in the labyrinth? And this is one of the big questions to answer. Who am I? What am I going to be? What's my purpose in life? What am I supposed to accomplish? And you know, it's really tough for the young people. Okay, you go to school, you learn the stuff that's going to be on the test, you write the test, you finally get out, and then you go, oh great, now what? Well, now you have to be a person. <laughs> now you have to get a job. And now you have to move out. Move out? Yeah, and you have to shop for your own food. Shop? Yeah, and you have to pay your taxes. Taxes? Yeah, and then you have to find Mr. Right. Oh, no. Or Miss, or Miss Right. Good luck. You go, 
can't I just go back to school? No, take all your belongings and leave through the door on your left. Butimus. Perfect. What am I going to do? Now, I don't know anybody who felt sufficient to say, yes, I'm going to take on life and wrestle it to the ground. And the psalmist is the same way. Look at verse 10. He says, With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. If you look at the cluster there, look at verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. And you look at verse 11. Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Have you ever heard people read verse 9 and then skip to verse 11 and it's all done? Because all you got to do to cleanse your ways, to put the word of God in your heart and bingo. But have you ever done that? Have you ever hidden God's word in your heart and it didn't work? And you know, this is the funny thing about God. It doesn't work like that. You want to put in 25 cents worth of prayer and you expect, you know, 25 cents worth of answers out and it doesn't work like that. So then you start plugging the machine and you, you keep waiting for the jackpot. It's like, hey, what is this, you know? I just fed the machine and there's no jackpot. And I've hidden the word in my heart and the devil comes up to me and says, Rob, you don't believe that. And I say, well, yeah, you're right. So how does it work? Well, look at verse 10. I think that's the missing piece there. With my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Now, here's the psalmist. And you read this thing and he is fire-breathing. He wants to follow the Lord. Teach me your ways. <laughs> With all my heart, I have sought you. Right? And you think, well, I'm not like that. But then even he says, oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Now, why would you write that? Because with all of your fire breathing and yeah, I want to follow you and you've hidden the word in your heart and guess what? You can still jump the rails. Woohoo! Just go right off the, the path and just like the very last verse in Psalm 119, I have become like a lost sheep. Seek me, O Lord, for I have not forgotten your commandments. I haven't forgotten them, but I did get lost. Isn't that a fascinating last verse for this psalm? But it's true. It happens, doesn't it? So you know what that means? All of our seeking the Lord is not enough to go God's way. You cannot go God's way without God. Does that make sense? This is the first thing to realize going God's way. Don't 
do it by yourself. It's not, hey, look at me, look what I did, I did it. Here's all my life, I kept your way. Nobody's gonna get there. But what you do is you say, Lord, all my best is not enough. I am not enough for this. So now I'm gonna depend upon you to help me, to give me the heart I need. Just to give me that heart. Because I notice in my own heart, I have this funny aversion to God. I don't wanna read my Bible. I don't wanna pray, but wait a minute. I'm the pastor. Uh, this isn't good, is it? Now you're laughing at me because you don't want to read your Bible either. And you don't feel like coming to church. And you don't even want to do any of this junk. You just want to see what's on Netflix, man. Okay, fair enough. The only way to do this is to say, God, I don't even have the heart for this. Would you give me that? And will you give me the strength and the perseverance? Because if you don't, I can't. You cannot go God's way without God. And that means you're not alone. Like David said in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, you know, that's referring to how much light there is, not the fact that I'm dead. Because if I were dead, that would be a lot better. I would, I would say, hi, Jesus, how's it going? He goes, good, come here. No, this is having to go through life when it's so dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's the shadow, the color of death. And yet he says, I won't fear any evil. Why? Because you are with me. I can even go through that stupid valley if God is with me. So, realize this about going God's way. You do it with him. Now, this way of God through this life is not the end. This life is not it. It's a path, not a destination. And I got that from two different verses in Psalm 119. The first is verse 19. He says there, I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. And then verse 54. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Now, a stranger is a foreigner. He does not belong to the country in which he lives. He wasn't born there. He was born somewhere else. In that other country, he's a native. He blends right in. He belongs to that place by birth. Now, I relate because I've been a stranger for a little over half of my life. 
And I've lived as a stranger in a lot of different places, like Japan. You can't blend in Japan. And I've tried to blend in Germany. I've tried to say to the cashier, good morning. And the cashier says, hello. <laughs> you know, I'm really trying to blend in and it just says American right there. And I've been to Congo a bunch of times too, but guess what? I can't blend in there either. And it's awkward. It's awkward because when you're a foreigner, everything says to you, this is not home. And I've thought about that. The fact that I've been living outside my comfort zone for so long, I sort of forgot what comfort is all about. And I'm actually okay with it now. Like, I'm different. It's sad, but I'm used to it. So much so that when I go back to the United States, that's weird too. Now, here's a place that everything says to me, home. And that is overwhelming. And I walk around and I go into this shop and that place and I see Mount Rainier. And um, we were with Andre, you know, from the Netherlands. Netherlands is flat. <laughs> and we're going to show off. Look at this thing. And for a while, he was saying, I thought that it's, look at the mountain Andre. I thought that was the name of the mountain. Because all the time it was, oh, look at the mountain, Andre. And I thought, that's what it's called, right? And I think he was getting a little bit feeling like, oh, we're, we're, I don't know. But it was bugging him. And I had to say, no, 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 no. It's just that I like the mountains so much. I would even do that if nobody were around. I would say, look at the mountain. <laughs> and to go up there is almost a spiritual experience. Just to say, I cannot believe I'm up here again. And everything says, home. It's really overwhelming. And yet, it's like going to a museum. You can look up, but you better not touch, because you don't belong here. I go, wow, I don't belong here, or here, or here, or here, or here. I don't belong anywhere. It's the weirdest thing to be dislocated. Now that's what the psalmist is saying. I am a stranger where? In the earth. There's not a place on the planet that is home. There might be more familiar places and less familiar places, but none of it is home. So he's talking in verse 54 about your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Now that's a funny thing, singing the law. But you know, when you sing a song, it's about remembering. And 
these statutes have a goal and a purpose in mind, where he's headed, and that's what he remembers in the house of his pilgrimage, which means the entire planet, this whole life, is just a temporary stay. So, where is home? Well, home for us is a place we've never been to. And we weren't born there. But it's home. Is that not an interesting thought? Usually you want to go back. But guess what? We're going forward. Home. And this place is more home than anything we've ever known. Just think about the things that say to you home. The right aromas and the sights and the size and the feel and the climate and everything that says home. This is more. This is more. Or the welcome you get when you go there. Should you be lucky enough to have somebody there to welcome you. Is that kind of a weird experience to show up and nobody to say hi? Yeah, but this is where I belong and there's nobody here. Is that weird? But when we come to the Lord, there's going to be a welcome that never stops. Heaven is only about hello. There's no such thing as goodbye. Isn't that amazing? I hate going to the airport at the end of it. And my mom used to say goodbye when I would leave. She would say, goodbye. And that meant, I'm going to die, kid, so this is it. And then, of course, I would come again, and she would be there. And What do you know? We're going to have one more visit. But she would say, goodbye. <laughs> See ya, Ma. I love you, too. We don't have to do that. In fact, the first thing I'm going to do is say hi to my mom when I get there. Hi. And then hi to my dad. Dad, this is great. And look at everybody who's here. We're headed home where the sounds and the smells and the atmosphere, everything says home. Now that is worth journeying towards. Now you know, the object is to make sure you get there. And some people are not going to go to the place that they think they're going. Look at verse 21. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Now, Arrogant. Arrogant means I know better than God. I'm not going to go his way. I'm going to go my way. And I'm going to enjoy my life. It's going to be great. I don't want God telling me what to do, saying, oh, can't do that. Oh, can't do that either. You got to do this. I don't want to do that. So why should I put up with that? What a waste of time. Well, I'm not going to cringe and grovel 
because of a fairy tale meant to scare children and old women. I'm just going to have a good life. But then, when you know better than God, it doesn't matter what you do with your life, you're wandering. And that means you're kind of no fixed purpose. Now you're going somewhere and you're expending your energy and your time and you're persevering, but it doesn't lead anywhere. Wandering. Do you have a map? Do you know where you're going? Oh, I don't care. Well, we're making good time. Keep working. Now, you know, without God, that perfection, that blessedness is not obtainable. You can't get it. It's a waste of time. It's futile. It's empty. And you know, this arrogance leads to being cursed. Now, the way of God is blessed. He makes it good. That's his power and his desire is to make life good for those who are going his way. But then, if you're not going God's way, that means you're doing it without God. And he's not going to make everything work together for good. So, because of this, God actually rebukes people. You know what that means? It means to get in somebody's face and tell them they're wrong. This isn't good, what you're doing. They don't say, oh, well, have a good life. He'll never make it. Actually, he says, you know, where you're going is wrong. And if you never get that rebuke, you'll never find out you're on the wrong path and you head to destruction. Now, have you ever had that experience when you read your Bible and it actually tells you you're wrong? Have you had that? You know, I've had that too. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but this book kind of yells at me sometimes. But it's important because if I never figure out I'm wrong, I can never be made right. That's just part of going God's way. And that's what it says in Proverbs chapter six that rebukes, and reproof of correction is the path of life. And if you don't listen to that, you will go wrong, you're already wrong. So in the end, what going God's way will do is humble you. There's no way you can feel triumphant when you just found out you're going the wrong way. So you feel like, wow, I'm going the wrong way. But gloriously, you can turn around and go the right way. And so, God gives grace to the humble. You need to hear when you're wrong. Because then God is going to help you. Now, here's another way or another aspect to God's way. Is that God gives us life, but we need more than life in order to live rightly. Look at verse 27. 
He says, make me understand the way of your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works. And he has this several times in the psalm. He's always saying, teach me. Make me understand. So here's a gift of God. He gives life. And that in itself is amazing right there. Have you ever thanked God that you exist? That you're alive solely because God thought about you in eternity and then purposed to bless you and to give you life. So here you have a gift of life from God and it's sacred. Everything that God does is good and holy and sacred. That's why abortion is wrong. Because you're touching a sacred life that God has made. And pro-life is not necessarily anti-choice. But when there is a new sacred life being formed in the womb, then nobody has the right to touch it. But now, without the understanding what life is about, you can take that gift of life that God gives you and you can live it badly. And it's kind of like you take your really nice dishes, the ones that are only used for company and not for you regular lot, and the really nice cutlery, you know. And then you go out in the back and you play in the dirt pile with it. It's like, wait a second, that's not what it's, give me those. You can't play with that stuff. It's not right. And see, without understanding, we live our lives badly. And we prove ourselves to be unworthy to continue living. Now, a case of this is when Jacob knows that his brother Esau is coming towards him with 400 men, and obviously to kill him. You don't need 400 armed servants in order to say hi. So Jacob is thinking, I am going to die. And he's praying to God. And he ends up wrestling with this guy. And you think, why would you wrestle with a guy? It's because the guy won't leave. Say, look, man, I'm just, I'm by the creek. I just want to be by myself. Well, I'm not leaving. Well, look, just shove off, man, because I want to be by myself. No, I'm going to stay right here. Get out of here. No. Look, just beat it. Hey, quit pushing me around. And they're fighting, and they're fighting. And nothing this guy does can stop Jacob. Jacob is resisting this guy. And then the guy pulls out a very familiar wrestling move. He pops Jacob's hip out of joint. 
And suddenly, Jacob has great insight and understanding. It's God. I've got God in a wrestling hold. And now his strategy is to hang on and not let go. The angel goes, get off of me. Let go. He says, no, I won't let you go until you bless me. Everything in that fight up to that moment is he is resisting God and he doesn't even know it. But with the understanding, he hangs on until God blesses him. If we live our lives without understanding, we will naturally resist God, we will resist his blessing. So in order to keep the life that God gives us, we need the understanding. This is why I'm going through this difficult time. This is why I keep persevering. This is why I don't do this. This is why I do this. We live our lives with understanding. Now, this is the highest and the most important thing we can ever have. We do everything else, but no understanding. It's all for nothing. So the psalmist keeps praying, teach me your ways. Give me understanding so that I can walk in the right way. And this is fascinating. Teaching is a part of our salvation. It's included. Just like we were hearing this morning about, I'm still learning. Nobody ever has to feel bad for still learning. Like, you know, I've been doing this for a while. I should know what I'm doing. It's a little embarrassing. I'm still learning. You know, if you stop learning, you start dying. And it's included in our salvation that God himself is going to sit down with us and make us learn his ways. Isn't that fabulous? One-on-one -on -one tutoring with God and classes in session. And when we have understanding, nothing is going to swerve us from the right way. Now, there are lots of obstacles in Psalm 119 that will swerve us from following God's way. In this life, there are lots of obstacles. And you'd think, well, you know, I'm just me. I'm an unimportant person, and I just want to go God's way, so what's the matter with that? Just... Leave me alone and I'll leave you alone and everything's going to be great. But no, everyone who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, opposition. And it's all designed to swerve you. You don't have to obey God. You can do something else and the pressure will go away magically. So, if you look in verse 23, princes also sit and speak against me. 
but your servant meditates on your statutes. Verse 42, so shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. There are speaking before kings and not being ashamed. There's the arrogant, utterly deride me. The cords of the wicked one encircle me. There's emotional difficulty. There's reproaching contempt. There's grief. There's affliction. And in all of these things, the devil is right there to say, well, how about now? Do you want to rethink this? Do you want to just keep going on in this painful, difficult way? And you could have relief if you just get off this path and do what I tell you. Everything's going to be okay. But here's what it says in verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. And that word end can be translated as consequence. The result, the purpose, the goal in mind. And the goal of God's way is eternal life, immortality, glory, home. So teach me and I shall keep it to the end. Now this is the way of God and it's true and we know that it's true because this is the way that Jesus lived when he was born as a human being and lived on this planet. He went this exact same way where he committed to going God's way and did not allow anything to swerve him or deflect his obedience to God. He knew he wasn't going to live here forever. He knew that there's a purpose at the end, that there's glory, resurrection, waiting for him. And he accomplished the will of God. He suffered in our place to save us from our sins. And God raised him from the dead three days later. So his life is proof that this is the right way to go. So we got a trustworthy roadmap here. And you got to ask yourself, am I on it? Or am I not listening to rebuke and just wondering? And it doesn't even matter if I'm making great time. Because if you're not going through life with Jesus, you are wandering and you are lost. And nothing you do is going to get you out of this labyrinth, labyrinth, alive. And I'm trusting that most everybody here is on that path. We're all going to find out in the end, aren't we? But you can make it certain by saying, Lord, I don't want to go my own way. I want to learn your way. Will you teach me? And you know, he's always going to say yes. Isn't that amazing? 
He never says, you know what, I don't have time for you. He's always gonna be there to say yes. Now, if you're trusting in Jesus, you gotta prepare for your exit. And I know that some people are thinking, oh, that's morbid. But it's not. You know, we do not think about death. Am I breathing on my microphone? I'm especially juicy this morning. We're not thinking about death. We're thinking about life. And you know, the older I get, the more I find myself thinking about dying, and I get scared. Because I think I'm headed into the unknown. Where will I stand? What's for lunch? <laughs> Certain things are a mystery to me, but as I read this, it's more like home. Do I know what home is like? Do I want to go home? It's not Seattle. I want to go really home. And there it's going to be, hey. That's where we're headed. So, this is temporary. The existence we have here, it's temporary. All those difficult things we're going through right now, temporary. They're not gonna last forever. We're not gonna last forever here. There's an end in sight. So we don't wanna settle down here. We don't wanna think, oh, you know, if I just got that and that and that taken care of, perfect weld it and keep it there, I'm good. Fine. Let everything else just go. go but if I got my little, just the way I want it, I don't care. Because we can't keep it that way. The perfect church, nope, can't happen. The perfect anything, forget it. Okay, well then, I'm not gonna worry so much about my thing here. What I wanna do is go God's way to get where I wanna be, where it's permanent. That's what my life is about. Is your life about that? All these hassles cannot last will not last. And so we want to get through them. We want to do what God wants. And that's an okay prayer. Just to say, here I am. I am all yours. And I'm going to seek you with all my heart, but that's not good enough, and I already know that. So I need you. I want to do life with you. Teach me your ways. Can we do that? Then you're going to be prepared to go home. And it's going to be okay. Everybody with me? Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that this life is not going to last 
forever. And we don't have to go on getting more and more tired. We don't have to see everything that we've worked for just kind of descend into ruin and wonder about who's going to take it after I'm gone and what's going to go on. We know where we're headed. And we thank you for that home. We thank you that you said, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the way and the truth and the life. That no man comes to the Father except by you. So I pray for us this morning. And I pray that you would search each of our hearts. And that you would confirm that we're on the right path. And if we're not, then draw us to Jesus. And we want to trust in him to get us home. Help us to live rightly. And we trust you for that. We commit ourselves into your hand and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. (coughs) Amen.